Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass, or donkey if you prefer. That is in Zechariah 9, verse 9. The prophet Zechariah said that Jesus would come. This, this king it will come, and he will come just and having salvation. He will come lowly, riding upon a little donkey. You know, the Jewish nation was looking for a warrior, looking for a king that would come in and deliver them from Roman oppression and that he would take over, he would set up an earthly kingdom and rule and reign. But this Savior came and rode in on a donkey. He had no weapons. He just rode in. And then it wasn't a week later. They were coming after him. <clears throat> now, if you want to uh, look at that story of the triumphal entry, you can turn to Matthew 21. You can turn to Mark chapter 11. You can turn to Luke chapter 19. Or you can turn to John chapter 12. It's in all four Gospels. You know, there's a whole lot of stories that are in the, in the Gospels that aren't in all four. There's actually very few things that are in all four Gospels. So when they're in all four, take notice. Take extra notice. We're going to take notice of everything that's in the Gospels, but we're going to take extra notice in this. I'm going to read out of Luke, and I'll make reference to uh, Mark. They're all a little different from each other. Doesn't mean that one's wrong, one's right. Doesn't mean that somebody forgot something. These guys were all inspired by the Holy Ghost. They wrote what needed to be wrote. In Matthew, you will see that they, go, they were instructed to go and they were going to find an adult donkey tied and they were going to find its little Offspring, You know, the little donkey would be beside it. And, and that they were to bring both to Jesus. But you don't see that in Mark, Luke, and John. In John, you don't even see where Jesus instructed the two to go get the donkey. But in Mark and Luke, you, you see more of that. So I'm, I'm going to read uh, in Luke... Starting with 28, this is, uh, uh, this is 19, chapter 19 of Luke, starting with verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before, ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, 
whereon yet ne never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. Now, in Mark, it also throws in a detail that's missing from the other Gospels. It says, where two ways meet. Notice that this donkey, think about a donkey. Think about a donkey that no man has ever sat on. That means that this donkey was unbroken. No one had put a saddle on it. If you tried to put something on it to ride it, it, would not, it that would not go over very well at all. You have to break an animal to ride it. You know, we can, can look at that donkey and say, that's a lot like us. We're tied up, we're in bondage, and we're not fit to be able to take Jesus anywhere. But Jesus sends two disciples. Jesus sends people today to each and every one of us throughout our life. We can look back and see the times where a disciple of Jesus Christ came to us and shared the word with us. Tried to get us to try to unloose us from the bondage that we were in and to lead us to Jesus. We were untamed, we were not fit, and where those two roads meet, where those two places meet, I, it always, when I see that in Scripture, I see Calvary. I see the road that leads to other directions, and I see that we need to be on a road that's taking us to heaven, but how do we get to heaven from here? You ever heard people say, it's over there, you can't get there from here. You know, it's, it, there, yeah, it's right over there, like Lewisburg. Yeah, Lewisburg is really close to here, but you can't get there from here. You got to go way over there or way over there, and then you can go there. And heaven is like that. Yeah, heaven's up there, but you can't get there from here. Good luck trying to get there. There's only one place that you can go to on earth, and if you go to that cross Go to that cross section, that, where that cross stood, pointing to heaven. Jesus stretched his arms out. He welcomed all that would come to the foot of Calvary. And that's the way to get to heaven, where two ways meet. Choose the right path. Go to Calvary and go up. Go up to heaven. So bring him hither, 31, and if any man ask you, why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. So Jesus is very confident about this. Jesus shows that he is deity in this situation. There are places in Scripture where Jesus asks very normal questions. He just, he asked questions. It's like, does he really need to ask that? But he was showing his human side. And we need to realize that he is the son of man. He was born of a virgin, Mary. He had no earthly father, but yet he was born and, and he was a little baby. And he grew up like each and every one of us do. Where does his humanity start 
Where does his humanity end? Where does his deity start and end? We don't know because it goes against our thinking that a person can be completely human and completely God at the same time. But that was Jesus. Been none like him. In this situation, he knew everything beforehand. He knew to tell them, go here, go there, where two ways meet, you'll see a little donkey tied up, unloosing, and the owner's going to say, what are you doing? And all you need to say is, the Lord have need of him. And then they're going to be like, we'll go right ahead. And that's exactly what happens. Jesus was showing his deity at this moment. And they, they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. So this colt was very willing. It's in the presence of Jesus. They laid some clothing over the colt, and Jesus was able to sit on it and ride in to Jerusalem. 36, and as, they, and as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, and the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they have had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Notice they say peace in heaven. You know, not even a week later, there's not going to be much peace on earth. And glory in the highest. And some, now, all right, and, uh, all right, we should have brought in our, we should have taken our jackets, and we, they should have been laid out in the, in the aisle too. Maybe we should bring our, you know, some clothing up here, lay down up here. You don't see anything about palm branches, do you? They laid their clothes down. Other, other gospels will say they laid clothes down and they laid branches. They cut branches. Doesn't say anything about palm. But you get to John, that's why we do the palm branches. Because in John, it tells us what kind of branches. 38, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. The Pharisees didn't like what was going on. And they looked at Jesus. Well, they knew that all these people were looking up to Jesus and they were shouting these things. And the Pharisees did not like it at all. And they told Jesus, look, you need to rebuke these people who are following you. And what does Jesus say to that? He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. You know, that's, a, that's actually a pretty big insult to the Pharisees. He's basically saying that you are against this. You aren't saying the truth. You aren't calling out Hosanna. You're not wanting any of this to happen. And if I was 
to tell them to stop speaking, then the rocks that are laying around here would start to praise. The rocks would start speaking those things out. Which, look at the Pharisees, the rocks will before you will. That's pretty, that's pretty rough. Are we that way? People on this earth, we see them. The rocks, it seems like there's more chance that a rock would come to salvation than people. Their hearts are so hard like rocks. But it's not impossible to change them. It's not impossible. If a rock can call out, a hard-hearted person could call out too. We are to be like the little donkey. We are to be loosed. We're to be led to Jesus, and we take him everywhere we go. We're nothing. We're just a little donkey. But yet, we're hid in Jesus. And we can take, if, if Jesus is forbidden here, there, wherever, it's, it's like that story I shared a long time ago. Adrian Rogers was talking about a friend of his coming back into the country. Uh, and they went through customs, and he had some really fancy cheese that he was bringing back, and customs said, no, no, you can't bring anything in like that. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I will. And no, you can't bring it in. So he stepped over to the side, and he started eating the cheese. He ate it. Yeah, I'm bringing it in. And he let him right on through. So when you know, little kids are told, you can't bring Jesus, you can't bring Jesus in the school, just smile and say, well, I'm bringing him in because he's in my heart. He's coming in with me. So we are to be like these little donkeys. This donkey here, we're to, Jesus should be riding on us everywhere we go. We take Jesus with us to show everybody else. Now I want to read uh, Psalm 118. We read it in Sunday school. And I, uh, you know, this morning... And I was trying to get things wrapped up with all this. I mean, it was a busy, busy week. Even though Anna didn't go to the track meet because she was sick, I was already signed up to work the uh, track meet. I was assigned to do the long jump, and I ended up being the person who raked with this big old wide landscaping rake, big old thing. And all I had to do was rake the sand out to smooth it out for the next jumper. And my back has been hurting ever since until this morning. Michelle showed me a few exercises to do, and it's not bothering me at all right now. Yeah, I should listen to my wife a little more, okay. But, you know, that was Thursday night. We had Bible teaching on Wednesday night. We had a council meeting on Tuesday night, actually two council meetings on Tuesday night, back-to-back. We had... Uh, uh, the vote on Friday night, we had a singing on Saturday night, and it's been an overwhelming week. That's just church stuff, not counting all the other things that have to be done. And so I, I've been scrambling this week. I've been trying. I, I, there's three different messages that I had in my mind and in my heart I want to share, and, and you'll eventually get them all. But today... I, I, I don't like doing what everybody else does. 
So if this is the triumphal entry Sunday, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do something totally different. But I just, it just kept, it's like God, yeah, that's what you should do. And then I come across Psalm 118 early this morning. And I'm, I'm reading it, and I'm just blown away. Well, I'm just, knowing Psalm 118 as far as being the center of the Bible when you, when you think of chapters. I've heard this. You can, you can verify it. Actually, the Unashamed guys were talking about it one day. They were asked a question. They didn't know for sure, but somebody had wrote it in. But when you, when you divide the Bible up into chapters, they say that there's the same number of chapters after Psalm 118 as there is before. Equal number of chapters going forward and behind. That would make, by chapters, it would make Psalm 118 the middle of the Bible. And I've heard preachers say, uh, Psalm is in the middle of your Bible. If you, open, if you have a regular Bible and you just hold it up and go right to the center and you open it, it should fall to Psalm, one of the Psalms. Notice that the chapter or the psalm right in front of 118, 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's two verses. And notice that the uh, chapter after 118 is 119, which happens to be by far the longest chapter in the Bible. And what, so what is in Psalm 118? You're about to find out if you don't already know. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever forever. That's all of us. All of us who fear the Lord. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? You know, this is Jesus. We went through this in Sunday school and this is showing a picture of the road that Jesus is on to get to us. Jesus had to go through a very torturous journey to get to the point where he could take us to glory. Think of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and all the pressure that was on him, what he had to do, what God the Father was asking him to do. No human person could go through what he went through. Then he went to Gabbatha, which is the judgment area of Pilate, and Jesus was taken there, taken there. You know, we were talking in Sunday school about how Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was betrayed by one of his very own disciples, and when they came to him, they were asking, they were looking for him, and they said, Who are you? What is your name? And he said, I am am, and they all fell down backwards. Remember that? Uh, you, you remember Malchus, 
having his ear chopped off by Peter, and then it being healed right there on the spot. Jesus could have said, I am, they all fall down, and he gets away. He can get, yeah, he, he's getting away. Oh, they're getting back up. They're chasing him. I am, and they fall down again. He could have gotten away from them all. But he chose to be taken, to go to be falsely accused in front of the courts. So he went to Gethsemane. He went to Gabbatha. And then he goes to Golgotha, where he, he willingly laid his life down. It was nailed to that cross. And that cross was raised up and dropped into the hole. Bones popping out of joint. Bleeding in front of everybody looking at him in disgrace. He went to those places so that we can skip all of that and go directly to glory with him. He did it all for us. There were people who hated him. That's seven. Eight. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations can pass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They can pass me about, yea, they can pass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They can pass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. You know, when we, we were talking about this in Sunday school, the, the being compassed by bees, can you... And I know people who will literally jump off of a two-story house to get away from a bee. So scared of one bee. Can you imagine? You Think about unexpectedly running into a hornet's nest and all those hornets come after you with the venom that's inside of them. Jesus is looking at all, the, all of his human foes that are attacking him like little bees, but that it would only be temporary. Jesus is looking at the fire of thorns and how that could hurt you, you know, uh, but the, it's going to burn out eventually. But initially, while it's burning, it could be very devastating. That's what he was under, but he knew it was temporary. They would burn out. The bees would do their thing and be gone. The fire of thorns will will be very hot, and, and it would be, it'd be very tough for a short period of time, but it'll burn out. He's, he's seeing this. He, he's hanging on the cross. He's seeing all these things happen. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. It, talking about Satan. The Lord is my strength and song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Can you say the same thing? 
I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Now, notice this is what we just read out of the triumphal entry. This is what they were, they were uh, speaking out. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. They, the, the, is, Israel was looking for him. They were looking for their Messiah King. And they are speaking it. They were expecting him to come and set up his earthly kingdom. Now, we have been going over the mystery parables for a good while now. So you should be very well versed on what all of that means and what they were saying right here and why they were rejecting him completely within a week. They were looking for the kingdom of heaven to be set up at that time, but they could not see the mystery that was hid from ages gone by that was the church age that we're in right now so that we can offer salvation. Jesus can offer salvation to everyone, not just God's chosen people, Israel. They did not get what they wanted at the time, but it was all part of God's plan. Because people ask, how could they be, how could they be calling out these things and laying down the palm branches? How could they accept him? And, not, and a week later, they crucified him on a cross. How is it? Because that's God's plan, to save us all, to give us all, all opportunity, not just the elect, not just the chosen. God said all. He wants all. Do all come? No. Do all come? Do Ooh, Something we were talking about in Sunday school. Every knee is going to confess. Every knee is going to bow down. But not every person is going to do that as a saved person. Salvation is only to those who call out to God, who accept the shed blood, those who are called righteous by the free gift of grace, the mercy that endureth forever, that you have to be truly saved. But eventually, every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord, whether you're lost or saved. Don't be misled in thinking that it's all going to be okay eventually for everybody. 
we are warned over and over again. Jesus warns us that there's, there, you have a certain amount of time. We're going to get into that a little more next week. So let me finish up here. Uh, 27, God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. The psalm begins and ends the same way. And if this is the center of the Bible, that means that this psalm is in the midst, and we are to always to keep Jesus in the center. He needs to be in the midst. It's all about Jesus. We good? I think we're good.